You know, it's awesome. I said it in the first service. I'll say it again, and I'll continue to say it. Um, My passion has always been young people, and it's always an encouragement and a blessing to see our students serving in any way, shape, or form. And I know we can we talk about this maybe because it's visible more than the others, but uh, there's plenty of students that are serving right now and loving on children and learning how to teach and learning how to do all of those things. And uh, I absolutely love that uh, our students are serving the Lord. And so uh, thank you for being here. And uh, I, I, I'm a little bit jealous I wasn't up here to see you guys because uh, it's always awesome to see the expressions and see all those things. I can picture some of you going, oh my word, that guy just jumped. Ah, and then others of you are loving it. So, uh, but uh, it, is, it is great to be here this morning. And today was the day that everybody decided to come to church at 1030. Um, so uh, we have a, a full house today. Uh, you can edit that out of the live video, I guess. I don't know. Um, but uh, it is good to be here this morning and to worship with you. Uh, there is nothing like worshiping with God's people and being together united, and uh, it's good to be here this morning. So uh, we are finishing out a series that we entitled Leading Others. We started that three weeks ago, um, and we will conclude that uh, today uh, as we uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and a title a sermon entitled God's Compelling Love. But we've looked at this, we've, we really encompassed leading others uh, is a part of our mission statement, leading others to be passionate followers of Christ. And uh, this morning, as we close out this series, we've been talking about uh, our core value of Share Him. And I've done that in the sense of evangelism has been the, the, to, the tune, I guess, or the tone of the, the series that we would share the love of God, that we would spread his love and so on and so forth. And we've done that maybe a little bit different than in the past uh, in that we didn't touch on just the Great Commission type of passages of Scripture. Rather, we started with Ephesians chapter 6 and put on the whole armor of God that we would be able to stand and we would be able to fight But what we really looked at inside of that particular sermon was not so much just that we would put on the armor, not just that we would stand, but that we would understand the battle and the fight that we are in. I truly believe that so many people that are believers fail to recognize the fight that we are in is not a you versus me fight, but it is a spiritual battle. The things that we battle with every single day, whether we want to look at it from the realm of, (coughs) excuse me, from the realm of politics to the realm of race relations in our country to the realm of drug addiction or uh, internet pornography addictions or from the realm of selfishness and pride to anger and bitterness and hatred and all of these things, all of that becomes and really is a spiritual battle that we face. And I feel sometimes that we, we forget that. And we get into the fight against you versus me. So we looked at that, putting on the whole armor of God. Then last week we touched on preparing. That when we stand, that, that passage in Ephesians speaks on that we would stand firm. To stand firm is not just, you're not just standing, you're, you're balanced, you're prepared, you're ready in sports, we would always say it's what? The, the athletic stance. Get in that athletic stance. That's a preparation stance. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to, to act. 
that word of standing and wasn't just to, all right, no, you're standing in preparation. You're ready, and we are to be ready. We are to wait and to watch. And last week, we looked at uh, the picture of the, uh, an, an ancient Galilean wedding. If you were with us, if you weren't, uh, the ancient Galilean wedding, the, the, the gentleman or the, the bridegroom would go and engage and, and seek the engagement of his bride-to-be. And they would, they would share a covenant together and uh, their families would come into this covenant together and then they would drink of a, of a wine. The, the lady would have the choice of, uh, of either accepting it or rejecting it and the gentleman would do the same thing and the, 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 the groom would leave and go and prepare a place. The bride would go and prepare the, the dress and all the other things and as the groom was prepared and, and he would go and he would say, Dad, I, I'm ready. Dad, come look at the house. The father would come and give his approval. And then when the father was ready, he would say, son, now go get your bride. And we talked about the correlation of the church being the bride of Christ and that God, the Lord, will return. And we have to be waiting and watching and we have to be actively serving and we have to be a part of that. And so we've touched on those things. And this morning... As we get into 2 Corinthians, I'm really going to, in essence, touch on the entire chapter. I'm only going to speak through uh, just a few verses, but at the beginning of this chapter, it says this, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We have a hope I, I believe that everybody in this room knows this, but the, the earthly house that speaks of a tent as our bodies as a tent. This tent is not eternal. But I have an eternal tent, an eternal dwelling place, an eternal life that is waiting for me that's not made by hands, but that is made of God the Father. This place is not Eternal. The physical body that you are in is not eternal. The house that you live in at home is not eternal. And so as we look at this, there's really a lot of hope inside of this. We know this because of the word of God. We know this because we trust in him. We know this because of who he is. And as we look at these things, it even goes in, if you were to continue to read on, and I'll encourage you to read some of that on your own at home, but it says, for in this we groan earnestly, we desire to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that which we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up in life. We look at this in Philippians chapter 20, it says it this way. According to my earnest expectation, my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in this flesh... This is the fruit of my labor, yet what shall I choose? This is kind of, we groan, we long for that eternity. It says, for I am 
in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. I pray that even this morning as we worship the Lord in this body, in this house, that we worship him abiding in Christ, but yet at the same time we have this longing to be with our Savior. I've said this throughout the last two weeks as I've spoken. I believe more than ever I've just had a longing to be with the Lord. Maybe it is the days and age in which we're living, but I truly believe that God is using the things that we are facing here on this earth to open up scripture to me that I have a, a, my eyes are looking a little bit different. My heart is looking at it differently maybe than I ever have. And maybe that is just because I'm aware of what's going on. I don't know, but I just have that sense and I just really genuinely just have this longing. I'm, I, I'm, I wanna raise my kids, I wanna be here, but I'm ready to go. I'm ready for the groom to come and take his bride away. And I pray that as we worship, that we're burdened for that, for that clothing it speaks of. I pray that we have a godly ambition, (coughs) excuse me, an eternal ambition, longing for that eternal home. But while we're here, There's work to be done. But as it says inside of this passage of scripture, there's been a a down payment that's been given to us. I don't know if you have a house or if you've done any form of down payment. If you've purchased a car and you've given a down payment or whatever it is, it's it's something that you're, you're giving that knowing that you will finish it up. We've been given a down payment, if you will, spiritually. The Holy Spirit that dwells within us, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've been given that down payment to help you through the journey of life, to help you through all the things that we face so that we can one day meet him face to face. So this morning as we come to this passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians, I believe that we can do everything that we have spoken of these last few weeks. Put on the armor of God. Fight the fight that we have been called to fight, the spiritual battle that is before us. We can be strong and we can stand. All the while, in the midst of all of that, we are preparing for the master that he will return to come and get you. I said it last week, I'll say it again. Listen, the Lord is going to return, period. He's coming back. Just because I don't know when, just because they've been saying this for thousands of years that the Lord will return and people have said, well, we've heard that before. You have clowns out there right now that are giving dates of when the Lord will return. Shove them aside, take them off your YouTube channels, quit listening to the garbage, focus on the word of God. If there's a man that's gonna give you a date, he's a liar, period. But... I will promise you, according to God's word, that he will return. My job, our job, is that we are to be prepared for the return. Will we be prepared? And this morning, as we look at this, 
I think that today is a day of hope as we look. <coughs> you just have to, like, you just want to, like, ah! That was that. Anyway, as we look in this, this passage of scripture, <clears throat> that we would truly dive in because I can stand firm. And I can wait with anticipation and celebration. Church ought to be celebration. This morning, singing those songs, you may not have the physical ability to jump up and down. You may not desire to jump up and down. But here's what I would tell you. If your heart is not leaping in the words that are the truths of God's word, Maybe today is a passage of scripture that you need to be reminded, as this, word, this passage says, that we would be compelled to do because of what God has done. So this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is the passage that we'll be in. And we're going to start in verse number 14 and we'll go to verse T1. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 14 through 21, it says this. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Father, I come to you this morning. It's a complete honor to open your word and to share. But God, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of the people that are here, that hear online. Your word. That they would hear your word. That they would hear your truth. God, if there is somebody that is struggling today, that doesn't know you as Savior, that is battling in their Christian walk, that is struggling in whatever it may be, God, would you help them to see as a believer that they have been made new, that they are a new creature, that all things, the old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new, that you desire to change them from the inside. And Lord, for the person that may be struggling and they're uh, not knowing you as Savior, God, would you help them? Would you tug upon their heart that they would see the need, that they would see your love for them, that they would see that you have a desire to give them an eternal hope beyond this earth? and that they would come to you. Lord, be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. 
God's compelling love compels us to live unto him. Verse number 14 and 15, it says that statement, the love of Christ constraineth us, it compels us. If we look at verse number 11 in this same passage of Scripture, it says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I look at this and I think of, I've shared many times the the fear of God. Do we live and have a fear of God? I've said this, I don't believe most people live with a fear of God. A genuine fear of God. I believe that most Christians don't have a genuine fear of God, let alone those that don't know the Lord. But this passage of Scripture says, Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we would persuade men. Do you realize it is our job, it is a call of God on each of us who know the Lord, that we would live our lives in such a manner that we would have a fear for God, that we would have an honor of God, a reverence of God, that we would recognize who He is and have that fear. And because of that, we would persuade men. If you're like me, you've read this passage in the past and you've said, I I don't know that I would I'm not really good at being a salesman to persuade somebody. Here's the reality, though. God has done something in my life. He has changed me. He has created me. He has made me new. He has done all of this internal things. He has given me an eternal hope. And because of that, My job, though I can't change your eternal destination, I can't save you, I can't do any of those things. I can, however, share with you the grace and the mercy of God and all that he has done for me and tell you, I pray I can't do much, but here's all that I have and here it is. I can't make you go to a restaurant that I might like, but I can tell you I can show you pictures, I can talk of it, and you say what? Ooh, I need to go over there. If you follow me on Facebook, we try to eat something different on a regular basis, usually on Fridays. It used to be a lot better, and then we had this homeschool thing going on, and now I've got a son at the house, so it's different. But anyway, we don't need to go into that. <laughs> Corona kind of ruined my Flanny Friday fun. But anyway, but you know often many of you And many others will shoot me a text message and say, hey, have you guys been to a good place lately? Would you share it? It sounds silly, but you trust me enough. I don't know why, but you trust me. There's a persuasion in something as silly as just a place to eat. It's no different when I'm sharing It's a lot different because it's eternal, it matters. But it's just me saying, hey, this is what God's done to me. This is who God is to me. This is what he is doing on the inside of me. I have to share with you because I fear God. And in fearing God, I know that there's an end to this. I know that this earth is just a a matter of, it's just flesh and bone. It's just, uh, it, it, it's, it's temporal. It, moth and rust doth corrupt. And we, we look at all of these things and we know that it's temporal. We just read this. For we know that if our earthly house of this, this tabernacle were, to, were dissolved, 
We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in heaven. If I know that, and I know that this life will end, I want to tell somebody. And I want to persuade you to know that, hey, you take and do whatever you want to do with this, but I, I have to let you know, this is, this is all going to pass one day. Those questions are being asked a lot right now. We have to share. We have to tell. We have to persuade. God has called us to do just that. The ministry that God would call us to has to be driven from that fear of the Lord. It has to be driven from him. And it says in this, verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ constraineth us. It is his love that sent his son to die a sacrificial death. Giving us love that we don't deserve. Providing for us an eternity that we don't deserve. It says we are compelled by his love, not my love to him. I, I, I am constrained. I have to. God, why would you do this so much to the place that I would, I am compelled to go. I am compelled to live. I am compelled to serve. I am compelled to do those things because of what he has done for me. You know, it's that same love that would draw you and that did draw you and maybe somebody that doesn't know you, know the Lord, it would draw you to him. Why would a God send his son to die for me? Why would, a, why would God do anything for me? Why would, why would that God love me? The questions that are asked often are what? But you don't know who I am. You don't know my past. You don't know all of the things that I've done, but it's not about that. And I would respond to them and I'd say, but it's not about any of those things. God loves you in the midst of all that. He sent his son to die for you. Well, just let me get myself together. Let me get my life in order and then maybe I'll consider this and then you say what to them? No, but God loves you. He is the only one that can get your life in order. It comes to the place that we are compelled that we realize I am in sin. I am a sinner. And even in the midst of this, God sent his only begotten son to die for me. I am then compelled that I say, yes, God, I need you. It's regardless of the things that we've done. Romans 8, <coughs> verse 35 through 39, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And as it goes on, 
Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as is written, for thy sake we are all killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. There is nothing you can do in your life as a believer or somebody that doesn't know Christ that would say God would go, ah, not you, because that is too wicked. There is nothing that can separate you. His love would compel us to act. The death of thousands of animals and the blood that was shed could not, in the old covenant, Hebrews chapter 10 says it, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. It was the blood of Jesus Christ. It was his death, burial, and resurrection that would compel us to move forward, to live that life that would constrain us. goes on to say that In 14, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Just as all who were born in Adam were born as sinners because of Adam's sin, so are all who are in Christ. Those that have placed their faith and trust and their belief in him have become righteous because of his death. And it says this, so then, or therefore, now what? Now we do, not, we do not live unto ourselves, but we live unto him. The love of God that would compel us. That God would love us so much. That it would compel me, it would draw me, it would constrain me. It would be that I have to do something. Has anybody ever given you a gift and you've thought to yourself, I have to repay them. Somebody has done something for you in the midst of a place and time in life where you were so at your wit's end or you were at the rock bottom and you just thought, I will do everything I can to give you something, to repay something. You are compelled. You just feel like I have to give back to you because you've given so much in my need. We are compelled. We are constrained And it says what? So then don't, don't live for yourself. Rather live for him. Romans 6. Really could read the whole thing, but in 4 and 5, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. We just sung of all of this. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Verse 8, it goes on. Now if we are dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Verse 10, 11. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye yourselves all, ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are to live 
live unto him. I'll tell you this, you know why the burnout in the church is the way that the burnout in the church is? I'll promise you this, it's not because I'm being filled with the spirit and I've just put in too many hours. It's because I become living, I begin to live unto myself and I do what I want to do to make sure that you think that I am who I am even though I'm really not. And that's really, really hard to continue for a long time. But when I am walking and compelled and constrained to walk in that newness of life, and I'm walking in Him, I, 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 I don't often get very tired serving the Lord when it's about serving the Lord. I get really irritating serving the Lord when it's about serving Aaron, but looks like it's serving the Lord. Follow? It was eight years ago. We had a gymnasium. We had a building that was about 40,000 square feet. Almost every weekend, I would find myself mopping a gym floor most of the time by myself. It started out great. Because I just loved serving Jesus while Mindy and myself and our children would clean the building. And yes, there was others that came and helped, but in those days, our serving numbers were not exactly great. But I would mop that floor. It was about 45 minutes to an hour. And it wasn't long, so many weeks in, that as I'm mopping floor, I'm putting people's names there. While they're at home playing with their kids. Why aren't any of them here helping mop this floor? And I would get angry. And serving the Lord became not so fun on Saturday morning to clean for Sunday morning so that we look good. Serving the Lord became serving Aaron, and it became miserable. We must live unto him. It's easy to go down that path. It really doesn't take much at all. It takes that one day when you'd rather have slept in, but you did it because you had to go do this thing. And then you looked around, and you're like, why isn't that person here? 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 Oh, it must be nice. And all of a sudden I'm bitter and all of a sudden I'm angry and I'm all of a sudden, no, but rather we would live unto God The compel, God's compelling love compels us to live unto him. All I can say, all I can promise you, all I can encourage you with, the greatest life in all of the world is one that is surrendered to him and to living unto him. My joys of life, my travels of life, have taken me all around the world, have done all kinds of really cool things. And I'll promise you this, it's not because the guy that you look at is super intelligent. It's not that the guy that you look at is the greatest leader. It's not because of any of those things. But there was a day a long time ago that I said, God, uh, here you go. And I've seen some really cool things. Some of you could probably raise your hand and testify of things that you would say that were cooler than some of the things I've seen and experienced. But why? Because God allowed you to go and travel. The stories 
Danny, that you've shared of the ministry in the Philippines and the things that you guys were a part of building up a church. It's incredible. Why? It's God doing something in and through you and I that we can't do. Who am I? Nobody. In and through him, that he would, that we would give him our life. God's compelling love makes us new in him, the second thought. God's compelling love makes us new in him. Paul's desire was to share. Paul's desire was to lead. Paul's desire was to teach the truths that God had given to him that he would present and give to the churches. He fought for that. See, the, the truth that all of us have is that he died to give us eternal life and then that we would thus live for him. That we died with him and rose with him. That we are overcomers. That we are just as much excited and into that life and we should be. That we bear fruit for his glory. He died that we would share in the newness of life. Inside of your salvation is this passage of Scripture. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Listen, in this earth, nothing will become perfect. But the desires, the things that God has given to us internally would change as we come to know Christ. The greatest testimonies oftentimes are the ones that we like to listen to the most, right? Are the testimony of the guy that was so far deep into whatever it was and then God just radically changed his life. The change, the transformation that has taken place in somebody's life. You know, the reality is for every person in this room, I was a child when I came to know Christ. My testimony is just as radical and just as amazing as that guy's is. It may not look as cool. It may not sound as cool. You know, no one found me laying in a ditch, drunk and hungover and whatever it is, and picked me up, and then the next day, you know, I don't have one of those cool stories, I guess. But you know, the reality is the transformation, the change of life is that in him, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. I wonder for you, we often ask the questions, especially those that have been brought up in church their whole lives. What is that change? What is that transformation? I'll say this, and I can't speak to your salvation story. If sin doesn't bother you, maybe there is no transformation. If sin is acceptable, I do whatever I want because teenagers all the time, right? What do they say? As a youth pastor, 
Well, I, I said a prayer. I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I'll live however I want. I'm still going to heaven. I'll promise you this. If you feel right now that you can live however you want, I would highly question whether you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And I know some might really get upset at that, but I just promise God's word says there's a newness. God's word says there's a change. There's a transformation. It's a new creation. You don't want the crap that you used to live in. I probably shouldn't have said that word in the church. But we ought not desire any of that mess in our lives. But far too many people have said, well, God's love is forgiving and God's grace, listen, it is. God's love is, give, is forgiving and his grace is amazing and his mercy is amazing. But if inside of you, you feel that you can do anything that you want and God's forgiven you, I plead for God that he would grab a hold of your heart and change your heart because I would doubt that you know Jesus Christ is Savior. Because the God that I know says he changes us from the inside out. And I don't desire that mess anymore. I don't know where that came from. But as we look at scripture and as we dive into scripture, as we look at all of these things, there's a newness of life. I desire things differently than I ever did before. I wonder what your desires are this morning. I wonder what that desire is. I was listening not long ago to a sermon and the gentleman, the pastor, was speaking of a, a man who came and sat in the back row because somebody in the community had told him they were in the midst of a divorce and it was a pretty ugly divorce and somebody at their church said, before you go sign this paper, go sit at, the, go sit at this particular church, sit in the back row. Just listen once. Before that sermon was over, the man came down, came to know Jesus Christ as a Savior. He walked out of that building, a new man, and he called his wife, and his wife said, yeah, 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 whatever, I'll talk to you later. Wanted nothing to do with them. Person after person after person after person would reach out to this lady and re reach out to the wife and say, hey, have you talked to your husband? Have you talked to him? Have you, have you sat down with him? And she would say, no. But I've heard all about this, that he's found this religion. After a period of time, she finally picked up the phone and she called this man and she said, she said, hey, we've got to sit down and grab lunch. I've been hearing all this stuff. They sat down, they grabbed lunch. A couple weeks later, they began dating all over again. Because why? The man became new and everybody around him did not recognize who he was because the change that took place. Listen, this morning as we dive into this, it's not just that we can, we can shout and we can experience and we can do all of those things. I can experience the newness of life and I've experienced a, a new creation in myself. But here's what's exciting to me and here's what ought to be exciting to you as a church and as an individual that knows Jesus Christ as your Savior is this. I can be a part of that same transformation in other people's lives. I can have that. I get to share the love of God with others. What does it say in 11? That we would, that the fear of God would cause us to persuade others, that we would share that with others, that, <coughs> that we would be, <clears throat> I'm talking faster to 
than I can swallow. That we can compel, we'd be compelled by the love of God that we would share that same love with other people. And then what? That they would be a part of that transformation of life and I can sit back and know I can't change the life. I can't save your soul. I can look back and go, that's amazing. And I get to be a part of that. You get to be a part of that. I look around this room and I see people that are sitting in this room. There's been transformation of life. I couldn't ever look at you in the face and say, I did that. But with confidence, I could say, I hope that there was something over the last however long that I've known you that was a part of that transformation. Whether it's students that I've had in the classroom that are now leading in other ministries, I said that <coughs> this morning with Nathan and Shelby and Rachel and many others that, are, that I had that sat in front of me as youth group leaders, youth group workers, or as their youth pastor, they were children, and now they're teaching my children. Now they're leading in worship. Men that I've sat down with and I've met over and over and over with, and I can look at them and I could say, I've seen God change your life. I've watched a transformation take place in your life. Rich, I've watched a transformation take place in your life, and I'm proud of you. Along with so many other people in this room that I would look at and I would say, I've watched God do something, not because of me, but he used me and I just get to be a part of it. And that's awesome. And that should be exciting to all of us. Why do I share the compelling love of God? Why do I share these things? Why do I persuade men? Because this life is going to end and it's exciting to watch somebody who was from death. The song's <coughs> the song read, I'm glad you're my daughter. <clears throat> to life. I just coughed and I know it. <laughs> Did you get hit? <laughs> she doesn't even know what's going on. What? What did you say, Dad? Now I've embarrassed her. Um but it's from death to life. How many of you have ever had the chance to share the gospel and lead somebody to the Lord? Look around. Let me ask you this question. Is there much of a better of a feeling than to experience that? It's amazing. Do you know what's, I don't know if I'd say equally as <laughs> exciting, but watching them grow in that a year down the road two years down the road ten years down the road when you can look at them and say I didn't save them but man it's been amazing to be a part of a transformation I would ask you this when was the last time you led someone to the Lord maybe I won't do this but maybe if it was in the last month if you've read, led somebody to the Lord I'm not gonna be mean about it, but I'm assuming the hands would be a lot less. But would we be so in love with who God is that we would share and compel others to persuade others that we would live this life? And the last thought this morning, I gotta get rolling, is God's compelling love calls us to be his ambassadors for Christ. God's 
compelling love calls us to be his ambassador. I think this is one of those parts of the sermon where I just personally look at it and I think, I don't know that God has all of his marbles. Have you ever thought, I mean, some of you are looking at me like, are you kidding? You just said that. Like, have you ever seriously thought, does God have all of his marbles in his head? He asked, like, he's choosing me to be his ambassador. Right? Like, I don't even know what to think right now. Some of you are seriously looking at me like I'm lost my mind. But who are you or who am I that he would use any of us? Not, not Pastor Aaron, just me. Not my profession. You, as a construction worker, <coughs> as a secretary, as somebody that works in an office, as somebody that's a salesman, as somebody that is a stay-at-home mother, as somebody that does whatever in the military or retired or whatever it is, that God would choose you to be his ambassador. I read this passage of scripture and I scratch my head over and over and over that God's word says that he has called us to be a part of the ministry of reconciliation. God's word has called me, God has called me to be a part of sharing in the reconciliation, the hope of God that I am to be a part of that. My job, part of my job, part of my tasking, if you will, as a believer, is that I would share the hope. Hey, listen, you are far from God. Now, I know that's hard to say, but do you know Jesus? We're far from God. But God said to you, hey, you see that guy over there? You see that girl over there? Why don't you go share with them the hope that they might have in me? Tell them that they need to be reconciled back to the Father. And oftentimes we go, ah, we're a little busy, or ah, I don't know about that. I do. But that's what God's called for us to do. He's called that we would be a part of that ministry of reconciliation, that we would be an ambassador for him. You know, one of the worst decisions any leader in this government could do is to call me and be like, hey, could you be the ambassador to any country? That would be horrible. You, you've listened to me now for 40 minutes or whatever it is. That would be a mess to speak on behalf of the United States of America to any other country. Bad decision. But yet God, the same God that we just talked about, you know, the God that said, hey, the waters can only go this far, the same God that, that hung the stars and hung the moon, the same God that said that's where they want that star and that's where he wants this star, the same God that knows the amount of hairs that are on your head, the same God that knows how many pieces of sand that are on the ocean, the same God, this same God, that God, the almighty, the all-powerful God said, hey, Aaron, I want you to be my ambassador. And we sometimes look at that, do like I have done countless times, and say, God, I don't think you know what you're doing. I'm just going to sit over here. He said, no. No, I've, I've called you. I need you. 
Because the person over there is, is in your circle of influence and you're the one who's going to reach them. But God, you don't know, but, but look at all of this past. And he says, no, but it's that past that I'm going to use to take all of that hurt and all of that pain that you're going to go over here and you're going to talk to this person and all of that hurt and all of that pain is going to sit down right there and you're going to be able to share something that nobody else could ever share. I need you to be that ambassador. I need you to be about that business. He says, Aaron, you can put your name there. He would say, as we saw early on, that I need to not live unto myself, but rather I would live unto him. So that when the time comes, I'm here saying, God, I really, I really think you, you may not have all your marbles, but I'm willing. God, I'm scared to death, but I'll go. In the first service, we had a gentleman who was here who's getting ready to go to the country of Spain as a missionary. We had a couple that was here that was getting ready to go to the country of Japan. They're trying to get there by March. I believe we have a pastor in the back corner getting ready to plant in northern Nevada in the Reno area. I'll promise you without knowing any of them real well, each and every one of them, myself included, has said, God, eh, I'm sure you've got smarter, wiser, better, and everything else that could go do those things. But I guess I'll give it a shot. So long as we are willing, he will use you. This morning, I, I don't think that this is the most bombastic greatest sermon that's ever been written or presented. <clears throat> but God has called you and I as ambassadors. God's compelling love would compel us to live in such a manner. The fear that we have of him the awe that we would have, the statements that we have said today of why, God? Why would you, why? I can't answer it, and I'll never be able to answer it. But it's that same love that he has shown you that I can't comprehend that is why I would continue to go and to do because the love of God compels me, it constrains me that we have to go, we have to share, we have to love because it's so much deeper and bigger than we are. This morning I wonder, I wonder if you sit here this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do you know him? Has his love reached down to that place where you are and 
grabbed a hold of you and you said, but God, let me get my stuff together first. But God, you don't understand this. But God, you don't understand this. And he kept saying, no, I I love you. I love you. I've given my son for you. And you said yes. Have you said yes to him this morning? Believer that sits here today, are you living that life of surrender to say, God, I can't continue to serve myself. Here I am. It scares me to death to talk to anybody, but here I am. I don't know how I could persuade anybody, but here I am. God, you know my heart. You know that I love you. But I'm keeping it here because it's easier. And today, it may not be this. Maybe it's this. Maybe that's really silly. But it's that start of saying, God, I I really am fearful and I don't understand this. But I know that you're coming back. And I know there's people that don't know that. And I know that I'm the one that's in their life. Help me, lead me, guide me. I'm just willing. Father, this morning I come to you. Lord, as we read through this passage, there's so much that we can get excited about, we can scream and yell about, and But Father, when it boils down to and it comes down to, I, I pray that we're living it. God, I pray for each person in this room. I pray, Lord, that if there's somebody that does not know you as Savior, they've never experienced the newness of life, that transformation of life, that being a new creation. Lord, would you Just grip a hold of their heart right now. (coughs) Father, if there's somebody this morning that sits right here that has been one that maybe they've made those statements, I'll just live however I want. I know God will forgive me. Lord, that you would grip a hold of their heart. That you would convict them, that you would show them that their sin is real. Would you show them The life that they live is not just a game. Would you speak to them? Draw us to yourself. This morning, right where you are, as I do every week, I invite you. You can come forward and pray. You can pray right where you're at. Maybe you are somebody that doesn't know Christ as Savior. Maybe you would come forward and say, Pastor, I need to know you. I need to know the Lord. I I do not know him as Savior, and I would love to show you, or I'd love to have somebody open God's word and show you how you too can know.
Maybe there's people in your life right now that you could think of their names who do not know the Lord. And you would desire to share with them. Call them out by name. Pray for them by name. Pray that God would send somebody in their path. I know many of you have family out of town that you pray for that they do not know the Lord. Pray that God would send somebody to them to share that hope. Maybe you've done it so often you don't even think that you're hurt any longer. Would you just ask that God would speak through you or send somebody else? Father, I just come to you. Lord, I ask that you would have used your word to challenge the folks this morning. God, I desire to be a church that is a church that shares the love of God with people. I desire that we would do that in tangible ways as well as simply opening our mouths and speaking. I pray that we would not take for granted that you have called us to be your ambassadors. That we would not take that lightly. Father, thank you for meeting with us this morning. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray.